Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Sports Travel Podcast, where we interview leaders in the sports event industry. This is Jason Gewertz, Vice President of the Sports Division for North Star Meetings Group and the Executive Editor and Publisher of Sports Travel. And our guest on this episode is Neil Schwartz, the President and Chief Data Officer of SBRNet, a research firm that has recently concluded a massive study of sports fans and their propensity to travel. We're going to go through the fascinating insights this study has to offer both for sports organizations organizations and the destinations hosting their events and let you in on the secrets of which college sports programs have the most avid traveling fan base and which professional teams fans are also more likely to travel. You may be surprised by what you hear. And that's just some of what Neil's research has to show. But before we begin, this episode of the Sports Travel Podcast is being sponsored by the Esports Travel Summit, the only esports business conference dedicated to the travel side of the esports industry. The 2022 Esports Travel Summit will be held in Daytona Beach, Florida, June 21st through the 23rd, and will feature a marketplace connecting esports event organizers with the destinations, venues, and suppliers interested in supporting their events. There will also be a robust educational lineup with some of the leaders in esports including a research session that will feature the work of our guest on today's episode, Neil Schwartz. For more of everything we have planned in Daytona, please visit esportstravelsummit.com. And now, on to the conversation. Neil Schwartz has been involved in sports-related research for years, with stops at some of the industry's most significant research firms. His latest effort is with SBRNet, which recently concluded a nationwide survey of sports fans and their willingness to travel, among many other data points. The data not only provide insight on how well fans of different sports travel, but who those fans are and what characteristics they have by sport. His information also delves into which specific teams have the most avid traveling fans, which sports have the highest percentage of fans who say they would travel to events and more. Interestingly, his data also looks at the emerging world of esports fans, revealing some fascinating trends about their own travel and spending habits. We'll go into all of that in this conversation, and we'll also delve into what the research shows about women's sports, minor league sports, sports wagering, and a lot more. If you think research is dull, you won't by the end of this conversation. So sit back and enjoy the passion that Neil brings to data and learn what all that information can do for your organization. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Neil Schwartz, welcome to the Sports Travel Podcast. Jason, it's really great to be on. It uh, seems like you and I have known each other like forever. It feels that way, but in the best possible way. Neil, our, yeah, our paths have, have crossed quite a bit over the years in different capacities. And you know, one of the things that I have always enjoyed when we get the chance to talk is you love data, you love research, and we love that too at Sports Travel Always Have. We've always found just tremendous value at being able to take a deep dive into into numbers and, and stats and, and information that's out there because we think it is beneficial for the industry, whether it's the sports organizations that we write about or the destinations and venues that host their events. So just be aware of of kind of what's happening at the moment. And especially given the last couple of years, as you know, Neil, things have just been turned upside down and the, are starting to write themselves. And, you know, I would argue it's as good a time as any to take a look at kind of where the trends are right now. And you are at the forefront of that. But I thought, you know, to start, Neil, for those who uh, maybe aren't familiar with us, just give us your quick background on the research side, because uh, you've been involved with this for years and maybe a little context to start off on where you've been in the research game. Sure, Jason. I, again, I really appreciate 
getting together today. It does seem like you and I have known each other a long time. I think we met originally at one of that those ACES meetings, the uh, group of yep. the uh, CEOs of the leading NGBs around the country. And it seems that you and I have kept in touch you know, across a number of stops along the way. But for the past 26 years, Jason, I've been involved uh, specifically in data, marketing research, and related activities, but all focused on various aspects of sports. So whether it's been product sales, sports participation, sports travel in, in your case, and now, you know, working really closely with sports fans. So it's always been about sports for me. Uh, one, I love sports. And two, I have to be honest, Jason, I, I say this in almost every meeting or every presentation. Guys, sports are fun. You know, <laughs> let's have some fun. Let's bring some fun. And that's really what I like to do. Look, data can be, you know, a little dry at times, but. I've always been about what I like to call data-driven decision-making or data-driven analysis or data-driven strategic planning. You know, all too often I talk to business leaders, marketing people, and, you know, they're giving me kind of their anecdotal view of things. And, you know, I nod politely a lot of times because I know what's really going on yeah. because I have the data. So... You know, I've been working actually with data for about 30 years, worked originally in the media data aspect, and then kind of migrated into sports. And I have never looked back, Jason. Excellent. Well, Neil, tell me about your current endeavor. So you're with SBR Net. Let's start some context here on what you're doing there. And then we'll go into this latest survey that you have and have some fun talking about uh, some of the numbers that are popping out out of this survey. Sure. A little over two years ago, my partner, Mark Sullivan, and I were approached by an organization known as, actually it was known as Sports Market Analytics um, and a division of SBRnet. And we've kind of firmed that branding up a little bit. So SBRnet stands for Sports Business Research Network. And then SMA is Sports Market Analytics. The business was started actually way back in 1998 by a gentleman named Dick Lipsy. Dick was uh, kind of a real, you know, the original mad scientist of data. <laughs> uh, my partner, Mark, knew him really well. I knew him just kind of tangentially. But when it, it was brought to our attention, we looked at this data and just said, wow, this is a gold mine. Because sports fans are such a really important part of the marketing equation for brands, obviously teams, leagues, you know, really you name it, anyone that wants to try to reach out to sports fans. And when we first looked at the business, about 80% of the revenue is done in the academic marketplace. So yeah. we're selling data to about 240 leading colleges and universities around the country who use it for things like sports business, sports management, sports marketing. And, and of course, one of the fastest growing areas are sports data analytics. Yeah. And in order to do great data analytics, you got to have great data. It's funny how that works, Jason. <laughs> and, you know, we believe we have one of the best sports fan data sets out there. Um, we've been providing data in this format since 2017. It's now 2022. So we're literally able to provide five years of trends. And, and just like you mentioned a few minutes ago, you know, the last year, you know, has been a year. The last two years have really been like years like no other. And, you know, as we're coming out of the pandemic, fans are starting to go back to live events. 
you know, things have changed. The world's yeah. a different place. And our data really helps you define what I like to call the six important questions. The who, the what, the when, the where, the why, and the how. Because if you can answer those questions, Jason, you can get so much accomplished in terms of being able to do a you know, better marketing strategy, better targeted marketing, understand how to use social media. So whatever it might be. But that's really, and then, as I mentioned, we do about 80% in the academic world and students love to use our data for their case studies, class presentations, the faculty uses it for their various research. We do about 20% of our data, though, in the commercial market with sponsorship agencies, ad agencies, teams, leagues, really anyone that wants to know anything about sports fans, we've really got a wonderful data set to be used. Well, excellent. That's a good segue into going into some of the numbers here from your latest report. So, uh, Neil, a little context uh, when we're going to talk about these numbers of of sports fans and and sports fans of particular sports and leagues. How many people were you surveying? Give me some context of kind of what the data set is like here. Sure, I always love into it. Sure, I always love to get into a little bit of the science, but I don't want to get too sciencey. So, no, and, but- and I don't either. So, give us the high level. <laughs> So um, in 2021, we surveyed over 6,400 sports fans across 18 different sports, across 58 different categories of data. And we do the survey. We use what they call a uh, a panel, a nationally representative panel. Um, The panel represents the United States persons 13 years and older. And we balance the collection based on age, income, ethnicity, Um, education, gender, and then region of the country. So our goal, Jason, is to add our, with our best ability to be able to kind of create a model of the entire market with respect to adults or people ages 13 and older, and then collect to that model to ensure we represent the entire United States. So our uh, wonky stuff is out of the way, mm-hmm. and now we're going to get into the fun stuff. So you talk about all these data sets. You've got so much information. We, of course, are hyper-interested in this notion of sports fans and their willingness to travel. And one of the things that jumped out at me when you shared uh, some of the numbers with me, this notion of whose fans travel best, yeah. you know, of these of these different types of sports and specific leagues that you surveyed, you've got the numbers here as far as who has the you know the most total fans and most interestingly what percentage of those fans have told you that they are inclined to travel to go to sports events and let's start at the top i don't think it'll come as much surprise to anyone who follows sports uh, to learn at least in the united states that football seems to reign supreme when we talk at least about volume of of fans both at the professional and, and collegiate level yeah football is really king when it comes to what i like to call tonnage In this case, tonnage being the number of fans that are willing to travel. You know, when we put this together, Jason, we really wanted to look at sports travel from three, I would call different or separate areas. One, those who were traveling to support their team. I'm a fan of, you know, the New York Giants. I'd want to go to Las Vegas to watch them play the Las Vegas Raiders. So we're looking at fans who travel to support a team. But we're also looking at fans who travel to participate in a sport. I go skiing. I go kayaking. uh, I'm participating in the Boston Marathon, whatever it might be. So we want to look at those fans. 
But we also want to look at those fans that are supporting their children or supporting, you know, members of their family who play maybe on a travel team or an elite team, because there are these components of sports travel. And, and this year in particular, Jason, we wanted to really make sure that we covered it as best we could. And you're right. Football's king. I mean, when we look at both uh, NFL and college football, you know, you're looking at almost 50, over 50 million fans between the two college football and professional football. What is interesting, and it might not also not be a surprise, is that college football has a higher percentage of fans who travel to an away game to support their team. In Mm -hmm. fact, almost 27% of college football fans said that they will travel to at least one game or they travel to at least one game. That doesn't make them by any stretch of the word, the let's say the fans that have the most highest percentage that are willing to travel or have traveled, but it really does show that one College football, obviously the NFL, you know, really have a lot of clout when it comes to sports travel for fans. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Well, uh, it doesn't surprise me on one end, uh, especially when we talk about college football. There's just that kind of baked in support that you have if you had an experience on campus or if your family had an experience on campus. Uh, There's a certain connection there, I I think I would argue, with your college team that maybe – doesn't always exist at the professional level as, as players comes and go and it maybe feels a little more like a business you know you know you, you mentioned college team jason you know I, I realize that i'm the one being interviewed here but you know I, i'm gonna give you a little bit of a quiz question because i do love to sometimes do this kind of thing okay so here's the question yep which fans are fans of major university travel best That's an excellent question. So my inclination would be, as all things are in college football, that I would I would look south and east, you know, which always seems to be the hotbed of college football. So I would guess uh, that that would be somewhere in the SEC, where maybe uh, it wasn't that long of a road trip, and the and the passion was there maybe above some of the other areas of the country. Well, you would be partially right. (laughs) Okay, Notre Dame. Fans Uh of Notre Dame, 27% of all Notre Dame fans have indicated or indicated they traveled to at least one away football game or 829,000 people, you know, and that could be family members and everyone else. But, you know, that represents 23.6% of all Notre Dame college football fans. Now, number two was Alabama. Okay, um, I was close. You were. You definitely were. Yeah. 665,000 Alabama uh, Crimson Tide fans. A lower percentage, though, um, mm-hmm. Jason, about 16.1%. So you really have to like look you know, on a team-by-team basis to really understand. You know, the, Somebody intuition would say, well, you know, the SEC schools are a little closer together. The SEC is right now one of the, the dominant conference when it comes to college football you might think that those fans would travel a little bit better or easier but it's really Notre Dame I will tell you also when we look at college basketball that if I had to ask you which college fans 
travel best for college basketball. You want to take a swing at that one, Jason? Yeesh, this would be a tougher one for me, Neil. I don't know. I'd go with the Blue Bloods as well. You know, someone, someone in North Carolina, someone who wants to see Coach K while he was there, maybe in his final season, play somewhere else. Okay, they're really high up there, but they're not number one. I'm going back again to the Fighting Irish in Notre Dame. Their fans, <laughs> their fans love to travel. Uh, to foiled to again by Notre Dame. But from a percentage basis, here's, here's what I call a shocker. Both the University of Iowa and Nebraska have the highest percentage of basketball fans, respectively, who are willing to travel to an away game. And that, to me, really sends a very interesting signal. And the signal is bigger is not always better. That an advertiser, a hotel, a restaurant, whatever it might be who has accommodations, let's say, for you know a specific game or a specific event, really needs to understand the idiosyncrasies of you know a particular team when it is trying to target those particular fans. Yeah, it's interesting too at the collegiate level when you talk about scheduling and all the flexibility built in there where schools can go. Notre Dame and football certainly doesn't surprise me, Neil. Uh, just you know, the number of stories we've written about destinations that Notre Dame is playing in, bowl games that are more than happy to have an average Notre Dame team than maybe a, a better team from somewhere else, just because of their they know fans will travel to it. But it's interesting your examples too from basketball as well. I think there's some interesting takeaways there, at least uh, at athletic departments about who they're going after to schedule some of those games and, and who might come to see them. You're right. Let's do another quiz question, Jason. How about the NFL? Whose fans do you think travel best amongst all NFL teams? Another good one put me on the spot. (laughs) You know, I live in Denver, for instance, and I know Denver is right behind Green Bay as far as the the longest stretch of uh, official sellouts, the loyal fan bases. So I would go with probably Green Bay or or even Denver, just uh, knowing what they do in their home markets. Maybe they'd be interested in going somewhere else. Well, you'd be wrong on both accounts on that one, Jason. It's probably not right to tell your host that, uh, you know, you're wrong on something. That's okay. I'm I'm willing to be wrong on just about anything you throw at me now. (laughs) Well, facts are that 1.5 million Chicago Bears fans have traveled for an away game in the preceding 12 months, but that's around 18%. But if you look at fans of the Raiders, the Titans, and the Chargers, you know, they're both um, all three of those, their fans are much more likely, just not as many, but more likely to be traveling to an away game to support their team. So again, you know, if you're, uh, you know, you're a hotel chain or a local hotel or, you know, a restaurant or any of the, any of the important amenities that are involved within sports travel, you know, I think it's really important to be able to understand, you know, what are the the important attributes of those fans? You know, look at their age, the gender break, uh, the gender breakdown, the generations, household income, because all of these factors will affect how a particular sports fan kind of does their sports travel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you brought up Las Vegas as well. That's, uh, of course, a fascinating case study for us on a number of fronts. But, uh, you know, I think the the word when they got the NFL team and the Raiders relocated was I think people were watching how many visitors they were going to get on a particular weekend, even to go into Las Vegas, as opposed to how many fans would be based in Las Vegas. Uh, but yeah. interesting to see the the reverse that, you know, people who identify as fans. Uh, of the Raiders seem just as interested to travel somewhere else to uh, support their team and maybe wear some ridiculous outfit as well. (laughs) 
Back in October, my partner Mark and I were out in Las Vegas for an event, the Sports Marketing Association, and we were out uh, you know, towards the end of the event. It was Friday night, and I just saw so many fans of the Philadelphia Eagles wearing their green and white and silver. <laughs> and, you know, and it really, you know, it really kind of puts things into perspective how many fans of the different teams travel. But again, if you're the city of Las Vegas, and you know that a lot of Eagles fans may or may not be coming into town, you know, it might be really important to understand who are those fans and not just cater, of course, to the high rollers, although, you know, the casinos do love to cater to those high rollers, but there's going to be fans of other socioeconomic or other income levels or other generations that may not be able to, let's say, afford, you know, an expensive night or an expensive two night at the Mandalay Bay or, you know, something along those lines. Yeah, you, you brought up the Eagles. This is the part of the podcast, and, and those who have listened before may recall me saying, but uh, I have a 12-year-old son who is the world's biggest Philadelphia Eagles fan, even though he's never been to Philadelphia, but he uh, he loves it. And the, when the Eagles came to Denver this year, he had his Eagles stuff. And I'm telling you, Neil, those fans do travel. The number of high fives that my son had in his Eagles gear with people in green was just amazing that week. Well, so. just so happens that you're talking to an Eagles fan. I grew up in Philadelphia, so I kind of understand the whole uh, nature of the Philadelphia Eagles, as we like to call it from Philadelphia fans. So, you know, yep. I totally get it. You know, Jason, I'll tell you, there was something that really also surprised me as I was looking through this data. And, you know, the data really has a lot of, I think, really valuable points that I think that, you know, those that are involved in any aspect of sports travel, whether it's for supporting a team, whether it's for supporting a family member, or whether you're the one that's going skiing or going kayaking or going hunting, shooting or playing golf like I like to do. But what interested me, Jason, was that 73% of people that travel for sports in general still prefer traditional hotel and motel when it comes to their accommodations. The second, though, was they prefer to stay with family or friends over, let's say, an Airbnb or a VRBO. Less than 4% or around 4% of all sports fans who travel indicate that they prefer using um, you know, an Airbnb or a VRBO or one of those types of accommodations. And I would think if I were Airbnb or I were VRBO or any of those types of services, I might want to key in a little bit more on sports fans mm -hmm. to be able to target, you know, stay in a, you know, a, a nice house, you know, bring a large group of fans, you know, all, all the advantages that you can have, you know, of staying in one of those accommodations. So there's really so many great nuggets of information contained in the data. Yeah, and on I mean on the flip side, Neil, for our hotel audience, there's a obviously a positive message there as well that they seem to have a nice percentage of the market, and you know that's something we saw during the depths of the pandemic. Uh, you know, in terms of hotel and and the percentage of people that were in hotels, sports related travel, uh, at least from you know group travel, seemed to be one of the strongest parts of the market. Well, you know, on group travel, just like you said, it would you know Airbnb or VRBO or any of those types of accommodations would really kind of fit in with that you know type of situation. Situation, you know, much more so than let's say a hotel, which, you know, if you're booking three or four hotel rooms, can, you know, in some cases get pretty expensive. 
Well, let's go back to the data for a moment. So we talked about football, obviously, in terms of, of pure volume. You know, people are reporting that they are NFL fans or, or college football fans. Let's go down the list a little bit on sports that, I don't know, either surprised you by volume of fans uh, that were reporting that they were you know fans of those sports or the percentage of them that, that said that they were willing to travel. What other, what other trends are you seeing in there? You know, I don't want to uh, like call any sport a smaller sport and, and to mm-hmm. kind of give that message. But I will say, you know, when we look at things like uh, minor league hockey, the WNBA, minor league baseball, um, you know, or MLS, you know, we do see a high percentage of those fans that are willing to travel or do indicate that they do travel, you know, to support their team. So, you know, there's a lot of great opportunity. It doesn't matter what sport, Jason. I know coming up in June, um, you know, you invited me to attend the, you know, your esports travel event, really looking forward to being there. And you know what? People who travel to, to attend esports events, again, are a real target rich environment for those that generate revenue from sports travel. Yeah, let's uh, let's chat about that for a moment. You did uh, you did track esports and and yeah. you asked people if they were if they were fans of it and while they were sort of middle of the pack in terms of total number of fans uh, percentage wise uh, it seemed as far as their willingness to travel they they performed pretty well or at least reported that they were interested in in going somewhere for for a sports event. You know, the interesting thing about esports fans, and I think there might be a lot of misconceptions that, you know, they're all, you know, just a bunch of kids and don't have a lot of money and not well educated. Well, that that is completely diametrically opposite. You know, we see that the majority of sports fans that travel for esports are, in fact, millennials. Um, they are, in fact, well-educated, and they do, in fact, have, you know, in some cases, a higher amount of household disposable income than do some of the other sports that, you know, may fare better from one a total volume standpoint or even a percentage of fans. I mean, when I look at the data, you know, when I do look at esports, um, you know, we do see that, in fact, 42% of those people that claim to be esports fans are willing to travel you know, for one of the esports events. So again, if there's an esport event coming up in your area, you know, it would really be important for those that, you know, are involved in that carry to understand who those fans are versus say, you know, an NFL fan or a major league baseball fan, or even a college football or college basketball fan. They probably eat. And by the way, we have this date also, they eat in different types of restaurants. Hmm. You know, they have different let's say feelings about accommodations. Interestingly enough, they tend to over index on places like VRBO and Airbnb type accommodations than does the market in general. So again, understanding who are those fans of esports to travel and then really understand how to go after and target them and to be able to provide those services, those opportunities, those products, and even the sponsorship from a sponsorship standpoint. Mm-hmm. I mean, sponsorship is what makes this world go round. So if you're promoting an esports event or you're putting one on, you might want to go after a different group of hotels or a different group of restaurants or a different group of, you know, related amenities providers for esports fans. Yeah. Interesting. You mentioned WNBA before, and I know you tracked both that specific league and other women's sports. And it seemed to me from the data I saw, Neil, that 
that also represented an opportunity there and that fans of those of those sports and watching women's sports, which we know is just growing, they also seem willing to go places to watch that. Yeah, you know, we really are in this kind of this new age for women's sports. And it's not just, Jason, about the WNBA any longer. And mm-hmm. that's the one thing that our data really showed. What we did this year was, while we do track the WNBA, we also added a category called other women's sports. Now, that is a little bit general because it does include you know, everything from you know, women's college soccer to women's college hockey. There's a new professional women's hockey league that is developing. I think it's called the Premier Hockey League, if I got that mm-hmm. right. Yep. Um, and there are a number of other women's sports, women's college softball, and there are professional versions, women's soccer. So, you know, we are really coming into this age. And I think that what marketers, what brands, what, you know, those that are in the sports travel world need to understand is that understand who are those people that are supporting women's sports and, you know, really it's a gold mine. It is an untapped market for a lot of marketers, in my opinion. And you can see that, by the way, by some of the sponsorships that have been done recently. Yeah, agreed. You also talked earlier, Neil, about some of the minor league sports. And if I was reading your your chart right, uh, just to call out <laughs> minor league hockey fans, while they uh, may not have been the highest volume, you know, in terms of total people who identify, as far as their percentage of willingness to travel, they appear to be among among the highest. So uh, well, go hockey fans. Well, they, you know, look, it is, you know, one thing I do have to caveat, Jason, and, you know, being a research guy, I always have to throw my little caveats in there. But, you know, you're talking about a much smaller base. Yeah. And when you talk about a smaller base, you have to be careful sometimes about looking at the percentage because, you know, a lower number of respondents in the survey can move those numbers around rather easily. So what I when I always do this, I always like to look at both the tonnage or the volume of people, number of people, mm-hmm. and the percentage and try to balance both. Because yep. that's what you really want. You want to be able to make sure that your message is going out to enough people, but you also want to make sure they're the right people. Yeah. Well, let's go back to the top of the list, Neil. We talked about football with, you know, the NFL and and sure. college football. How are some of the other sports faring? We always hear about baseball and and the essential existential questions about baseball and its future and you know to hold fans attentions and and to be up there. How how are we doing on on the baseball front? Yeah, you know, coming out of the pandemic and I don't want to be uh I I am a glass half full kind of guy as a general rule, Jason. Mhm. But I have to be honest here. Baseball's got its share of problems right now. And it really comes down to the fact that baseball is having a tough time drawing people back to the stadiums. And there's could be a variety of reasons for it. You know, I looked at um, another data provider that does this thing called the fan cost index. I don't know if you're familiar mm-hmm. um, with it, Jason. And, you know, it really does cost a lot to take family of four to a, a major league baseball game. And I think that that's really starting to have an effect on attendance. And, you know, I, I was on another webinar a couple of weeks ago and I used this expression. I said, baseball is really playing a zero sum game. You know, as someone grows or something grows, someone or something goes. So what's happening is here is that live attendance is dropping, but streaming is going up. 
So it's a little bit mm-hmm. of a bad news, good news situation. The problem is that streaming doesn't generate the kind of revenue that live attendance does. So, you know, whether it's ticket sales, concession sales, parking sales, you know, whatever it is, you know, souvenirs, whatever it is people are buying, it's just not balancing one another. Now, Major League Baseball, I think like a lot of leagues are really hoping that sports gambling can kind of goose Mm -hmm. up the interest level. And in some cases, it definitely is goosing up, you know, the interest level. No surprise, I think college football, also uh, professional football, you know, are kind of the leading, you know, when it comes to the total number of fans gambling. But here's a good one for you. Another quiz question for Uh Jason. Jason, (laughs) if I had to ask you, the fans of which sport have the highest propensity for gambling on sports? Who do you think they are? Hmm. An excellent question. I've seen some state by state data, you know, since sports gambling became legal that showed some some unusual sports near the top. But I don't know. My guess uh, might be something like basketball with a you know a bunch of different things to bet on during the game. You'd be wrong. The okay. answer actually is golf. Ah. Because golf fans, what we find and, and about golf, like I'm a golfer, so maybe I'm a little bit have a little bit of a self or internalized bias here. <laughs> but golfers like to gamble on the golf course, so for them, gambling on the sport is like almost built into our DNA. Yeah, and so they've what they've done is they, you know, in order to kind of keep that flame going, they gamble at a fairly high level. Um, on other sports. And as more and more states come online with online sports gambling, I think you will continue to see golf to be one of those sports or golf fans, fans of golf, to be really supportive of sports gambling. Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me as well, now that I think about it, as do all your answers that I've been wrong on since we started. <laughs> hey, I wasn't, look, I didn't want to make, you know, I'm not here to make anybody feel right or wrong. I'm just trying to, you know, inject no, I, a little bit of fun into. I am ha- I'm happy to be wrong on these things and always uh, interested in learning more. So, in the time we have left, uh, Neil, any other surprises or, or things that's uh, stuck out at you based on your on your data set here that we haven't talked about? Well, I think, you know, the biggest, you know, three things that we're really seeing is that the sports gambling right now is one of the hottest topics um, out there when it comes to sports. And there's a lot of growth there, but there's also a lot of what I would call everyone's going after the low hanging fruit. And I Mm -hmm. think they're forgetting about some of the underserved markets. You know, that might be women that might be fans of a particular sport. So I think, you know, sports gambling is doing a great job of going after the low hanging fruit right now. And, you know, and I think, you know, you're seeing services, you know, not just like DraftKings and those guys who have been around a while, but you're starting to see that MGM and Caesars and a number of the big brick and mortar casinos, you know, really kind of beef up their online sports book presence. So right now, sports gambling is just one of those things that really pops out. But not to kind of pander too much, Jason, but sports travel to me is an incredible opportunity. And it's incredible, in my opinion, because it can be from all sides. Mm -hmm. One, the teams can really go after, in my opinion, more sponsorship out of the sports travel category. And then brands, hotels, restaurants, airlines can go after 
which teams do I want to be aligning myself with more closely? Which group of fans do I want to be aligning myself with more closely? Because as I said before, you know, you're always looking to find the right mix of volume, tonnage, I use that word a lot, and efficiency. Yeah. And, and that's what we're really, you know, looking for. I think the other thing, Jason, we're going to really take a look at this year is how big of an effect does live attendance have in terms of growing overall fan support or fandom as hmm. you know we like to call it and that to me will be the thing that i'm going to be a, keeping a, a really close eye on during the course of the year look we always look at streaming we look at uh social media habits and behaviors you know we're looking at all of these related topics but you know i think right now the the big unknown is what effect will people going back into live stadiums have on sports less so about football you watched a lot of football games you know you saw a lot of fans in the stadiums but baseball not having the same luck minor league sports not having the same luck nhl hockey doing okay Um, national basketball association so i think it's really going to be important to see how much live attendance drives sports fandom Yeah, and that's an area we're looking at as well, Neil, just the whole experience that a fan has and how that's changing um, and has changed over the last couple of years. And as things are coming back, what the teams, what the venues are doing to make sure people are engaged to keep them coming back. So uh, I agree. I think that one's going to be a fascinating one. Yeah, you know, I talked to somebody in the sports gambling business last week, and one of the things they talked about is this concept of the second screen. The Mm -hmm. second screen, of course, being your phone. Because the first screen is what's happening right in front of you in real time. The second screen is what you're able to do and track on your phone while you're in game. And I think what you're going to see is, you know, you're going to see more stadiums beef up their broadband capabilities and Wi-Fi capabilities. You know, as we see more and more 5G going around, we're going to see more stadiums beef that up. Why? Because you can't do real-time sports betting if you don't have a fast internet connection. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that second screen approach is going to be very big in terms of being able to grow in specifically sports gambling. Yeah. Well, Neil, this has been, as always, a fascinating discussion. Love the deep dive into all these numbers and very much love the fact that you'll be with us in Daytona Beach at our eSports Travel Summit to talk a little bit specifically about the eSports research. But let's plan to continue this discussion in a future podcast, uh, as well as your numbers keep coming in, you know, definitely appreciate your time and willingness to share your insight and your data with our audience. So, uh, Neil, it's been a pleasure, uh, as it always is, and look forward to continuing this conversation down the road as well. Jason, thank you very much for having me on. I uh, really enjoyed it. You know, you and I have enjoyed a bunch of phone conversations, email exchanges, you name it. So uh, again, thanks for having me on, Jason. Yep. And I'll try and prep myself a little better for your quiz questions. So. <laughs> oh, I'm going to, oh, I'm going to send out the, I'll send out the questions in advance next time. I just won't send out the answers. Okay. No, fair, fair enough. Excellent. Thanks so much, Neil. Appreciate it. You're welcome, Jason. 
This has been another edition of the Sports Travel Podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe to our podcast on all your favorite platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Past episodes are also available at sportstravelmagazine.com, which features regularly updated breaking news and in-depth features on stories related to the sports event industry. Be sure to visit us daily at sportstravelmagazine.com, at Sports Travel on Twitter and Instagram, and at Sports Travel Magazine on Facebook and LinkedIn. Until then, this is Jason Gewirtz for Sports Travel, and thanks for listening.